Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Today, I have a returning visitor, returning guest, expert, uh, speaker, um, all things uh, practice management guru, uh, Darren Caberna. Say hello, Darren. Howdy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Darren, we're glad to have you back. Um, on our last uh, episode that we had with you, um, we talked a little bit about answering the phone. Um, and after that, we, we talked a little bit about case acceptance. So I want to jump right into today's episode. Now, you run AccelerateMyPractice.com. You help. Uh, you, you tell us. What do you help dentists do? You know, if I look at the, the area where we impact revenue in dental offices the most, probably the number one place people see growth is through improved case, case acceptance. You know, my big beef, as I mentioned in the last one, is I have a master's in marketing and you could be the most amazing marketer in the world and you can make the phone ring like crazy. But if at the end of the day, the doctor's case presentation skills are, are not great and the patient doesn't say yes to treatment, it doesn't matter how good you are as a marketer. You can make the phone ring all day long, but if they can't get the patient to say yes to the treatment, what did they really get for all of your efforts? And the answer is sadly nothing, and that's outside of your control. Um, so to me, the biggest area of improvement in every single practice is improving case acceptance. Yeah, so how do you know if you have a case acceptance issue? How do you know if you're doing a great job, if you're mediocre, if you're horrible? We measure it. Like anything else in life, you measure it. If you, What gets measured gets improved. And if it doesn't get measured, it doesn't get improved. And, you know, I, I, I was in a, a podcast with Howard Fran, who I'm sure everybody's familiar with, probably two, three years ago. And we got into a really interesting debate about case acceptance rates. And because he has like a couple hundred thousand people come to Dentaltown on a daily, on a, a year, yearly basis, he can survey huge groups of people. He says, according to his data, the average case acceptance rate is 38%. I mean, just let that soak in for a moment. So for every dollar you prescribe, 38 cents actually gets accepted, scheduled, and completed, and paid for. That's a staggering number. Let's, let's talk about that 38% uh, a bit. How, how did, what was the method of their survey? Was it just asking dentists what their case acceptance is? You know, I, I don't recall. We didn't really get into that. I can tell you when we measure it, when we walk into offices, I will see on average 45 to 55% case acceptance rates. And the way I do it is I will measure the dollars prescribed versus the dollars completed. Okay. There is some ambiguity in those dollars, just to be clear. And what I mean by that is, is if you prescribe three treatment plans for every single person and make three treatment plans for every single person, that data is off by a factor of three. And the other way that the data could be off that I hear sometimes is doctors will argue with me, hey, you know, but Darren came back next month and accepted the treatment plan. Well, first off, I, I don't believe that that happens terribly often. But if it does, if you do the measurements on a three-month rolling average, you're going you're gonna to catch that, statistically speaking. So we always will do dollars prescribed versus dollars completed on a three-month rolling average to get as close as we can. And I'll see anywhere from 45 to 55 is kind of my, what I expect to see. If it's not that, I think there's usually some other problem. So what about case acceptance rate that's too high? Is that a, is that a thing? 
Yes. Generally speaking, when I see it at 80%, I'll ask the doctor, and I'll, you have to ask this question very, very carefully. Of course. But does insurance influence your treatment planning? And when you ask that really gently of most doctors, lots will say, well, if I'm being really honest, yeah, I've been beaten down by the insurance companies and the patients. So I only treatment plan what insurance is going to cover. Like the most pressing, biggest, ugliest thing in the mouth up until the patient maxes out their insurance, which, man, I could do a whole other podcast on that topic. But um, if that's all you're doing, yeah, your case acceptance rate is going to be really high. So it, it's all a matter of understanding data. So when you look at the data, if you see case acceptance rates in the 80%, 90%, you probably have a problem that you're not aware of that's something different. I've just I've looked at thousands and thousands of dental practices data and 45 to 55 percent is almost always the number I see. And if it's higher than that and I ask the question, I almost always hear, yeah, insurance has kind of beat me down. Yeah, I, I think sometimes that and this is uh, this is a, a unique situation or a unique problem. But I see I, I know that this happens that. Some patients, I think, are too overly qualified before they even step foot in the practice. Um, so in other words, you know, they're making sure that they're only booking patients. I see this happen right now. <clears throat> Someone who's doing a lot of advertising where they want to make sure that the person's got a 780 credit score and that they have, you know, cash on hand or they have, uh, you know, and we're talking to them talking specifically for implants or someone who's going to pay for it for them. So they ask these really uh kind of personal questions before they even bring the patient in. And I think their their case acceptance is going to be artificially high because they're only working with highly qualified people. And does that mean you want to bring in people that aren't qualified? No, um, I'm not saying that at all, but I think you lose some people uh, in that mix. Um, so you only get people that just are, you know, kind of just lay down and just say, yeah, whatever, I'll pay whatever, uh, as opposed to working a little bit harder to get that patient that might not be so easy to get to accept the case. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It does. You know, if, if you've got patients who are coming in with, you know, $30,000 of cash every time they walk in the door and, and your acceptance rate's 90% and you're booked out and, and you're killing it, man, don't change a thing. Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. So my guess is if your credit policy or your, your screening process is too stringent, your schedule's probably not full. You're probably spending a fortune to advertise. So you just get those people who walk in with $30,000 of cash in a brown paper bag. You know, it, it's a balance and it all depends on what each person wants. And, you know, one of my core beliefs is not to go pushing my beliefs on everybody. I believe to debate them to make sure that what they're doing makes sense. But at the end of the day, if they love what they're doing and it's working for them, I'm not going to argue. It if it ain't broke, don't fix it, so to speak. Awesome. So let's jump into it. Let's give our users some uh, some information that they can put into action today. What are a couple of things that they can do that a practice can do to increase their patient acceptance today? What can they actually you know finish listening to this podcast and, and put to use right away? Man, I could spend an hour on this, but let me ask you two three questions. First off, what is the easiest case to get accepted, do you think? I would guess, um, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Patient in pain. Their face is swollen. Sure, emergency. emergency. Yeah. What's the second easiest case to get accepted? You tell me. 
Cosmetics. I'm shopping for it. I know I'm going to spend $30,000 to make my whole face look 10 years younger. And I'm wondering if I'm going to choose you or the next person. The hardest case to get accepted, in my opinion, is the three dollars to $5,000 of non-symptomatic treatment. So relative to how can we solve this problem, we need to pick one of those funnels we want to go after. And I think I'm going to take the three dollars to $5,000 funnel if I could, because yeah. I think it's super common. It's the nuts and bolts average patient who runs into that. And the challenge there is, is often how it's done. The doctor comes in 10 minutes after the appointment, the hygiene appointment was supposed to have ended and now is presenting three to $5,000 of non-symptomatic treatment to the patient. And they don't know they have the problem. They didn't know they had the problem. And all of a sudden they're shocked. In my opinion, what happens in this case is you get one of two personality types. One is the very strong, aggressive person. We'll call it Darren, for sake of illustration, who sit, who says, sit down, I have 20 questions for you, you're not leaving until I answer them all. And you're now 30 minutes into your next hygiene appointment. The other one is the more passive person who says, I want to think about it. To me, I want to think about it means I have no idea what you just said. And I'm going to think about it until I come back in in six months. You're going to repeat the same diagnosis to me. I'll probably still need to think about it. And then six months later, I'll probably say yes. So there's a systematic problem as to how this is taking place that is impacting it. I personally am a big believer in having the hygienist warm the patient up at, by guessing what the doctor is going to diagnose, right? The hygienist can't diagnose, but they can guess what the doctor is going to diagnose. And if they don't know because they haven't worked for this doctor long enough, then the doctor needs to do some education, put up some x-rays, play the game of guess what I'm going to say here. But they should be 80% accurate in my opinion. If they start that conversation in the first 15 minutes of that hygiene appointment with, hey, Darren, you have a bunch of stuff in your mouth. I'm going to show you a representative photo of your whole mouth. It's just going to be one because I don't want to show you 25 photos and bore you to death. And I, I think doctor is going to tell you, you need a bunch of this stuff in English, not in dental terminology. It gives the patient the next 45 minutes to play 20 questions with a hygienist, which will make the exam much, much shorter. It gives them, now some of the doctor comes in for the exam, it's just like a layup. As opposed to, this is the first time they've ever heard of because we spent the last 45 minutes talking about COVID and vacations and all kinds of weird stuff. So if we can warm the patient up during that hygiene appointment, and even better, quite frankly, move them to a consult room would be my best answer. Uh, to where we have a serious conversation. You know, I love it when you walk. Have you ever had someone walk in a, a door and close the door? Oh, yeah. You know, it's going to be oh, yeah. serious conversation coming. Oh, yeah. Especially in my house. Yeah, exactly. So anytime <laughs> someone closes the door, you know, it's a serious conversation. What a great way to go have this $5,000 conversation with the patient to say, hey, I'll meet you up front in, you know, quotation marks, the consult room. I don't want to call it the consult room to the patient. Sure. But to go have a conversation about what they've got going on, because it's more than a simple filming. And I feel like then the patient understands the urgency of it. I feel like the patient understands and appreciates that the doctor takes the time to have the conversation. And, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. I can't tell you how many dental offices I go into who have internal cameras. They know they're awesome, but they don't use them. Mm -hmm. And then they wonder why it takes a thousand words to explain treatment. Yep. Throw a picture up. Let the word picture speak for itself. So if I were to try and boil it back down, I would say use your intro camera. I would say have the hygienist prep the patient for what the doctor is going to say. And in a perfect world, move them to the 
the consult room so they can have a more serious conversation about what they really have going on in their mouth. Yeah, that's uh, um, very wise. And I, I think everything that you're saying is just spot on. Uh, I, I think a lot of times um, dentists already know these things too, right? Uh, but just being reminded of it, like you said, actually measuring uh, what's going on gives them uh, the ability to manage that. Um, we're probably going to run a little bit over the normal time on our podcast, but I want to ask this. So on your website, you mentioned NLP. Uh, I, let me make sure I'm saying this correctly. Neuro Linguistics Programming. Tell us a little bit about that and how that can be incorporated in the case acceptance. Well, neuro, NLP or even cognitive behavioral therapy, they're all the science and psychology. Of how do you get somebody to change? right? This patient didn't know they had a problem 10 minutes ago. How do we get them to change to where they accept treatment? And I'll give you a great illustration right now. Let's assume this won't be a case presentation one. This is going to be a doctor example. I want to drive the numbers home of this 45 to 55% case acceptance. If you are a $100,000 a month practice and you have 50% case acceptance, that means you have $100,000 a month walking out the door, maybe with a dental practice right next door down the street somewhere else. But imagine if you kept just 10% of that $100,000. So the illustration of NLP here is right now the listener is going, God, do I really have 100000 walking out the door? Are you kidding me? 100000 Holy crap, if I could even get 10, 20% of that $100,000 I could pay off my bills. I could get the new car I want. I could take my wife on a vacation because Mexico's open again. There's so many things I could do. What it does is it gets the person thinking differently and it rewires the brain, the neural pathways with which neural impulses go from point A to point B in the brain change. And it's just a super effective way to, uh, to get change out of people. That's the simplest illustration I can come up with it, is how can we shake them, so to speak, slap them, so to speak, to get them to change their emotions. Because when most people are in the dental office, a lot of people are freaked out, they're nervous, they're uncomfortable. So the blood flow goes to a very primitive part of the brain called the amygdala. You, there's no conscious thought in the amygdala. It's fight or flight. That's it. So our ability to make good decisions is very, very limited when we're in a triggered state, which is a counseling or neurology term. And so the question becomes, how do we move it back? Questions are easily the best thing you can do. So if you listen to much of my content, as we've discussed with you a couple times, everything I come back with is always a question. It changes the blood flow of the brain because it changes the focus of the patient from I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt to wait, I have a problem. I have a this. I, I need to do what? And questions are the key. Darren, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to I want to um, invite our listeners to check out your website. It's acceleratemypractice.com. Um, there's a ton of useful, free content um, information on the site. I also want to encourage them to reach out with you. Do you do uh, some type of uh, you know initial uh, consulting or consultation uh, with dentists and practice owners? We do. So if someone comes to us and says, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm curious about what it might be like to work with you guys." What we'll do, and we'll do this for all of your guests who want to, at no charge to them as a favor because they're a guest of yours. But what we'll do is we'll pull practice management data out of their software. We will write them up a treatment plan as if they hired us, go through that whole treatment plan, 
here's exactly what we would do if you hired us. If you want to hire us, that's great. If you don't, that's fine too. But you still get the value of all of that. And that's a, an offer that we generally will charge for, but we will offer that free of charge to all your listeners. Darren, that's awesome. Very thankful for that. Um, I appreciate you very much. I appreciate you coming on and, and really encourage our audience uh, to visit your website, to give you a call uh, and, and to get that, take advantage of that offer. It's a great value. Thanks so much, Darren. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.